In reality television, the people are represented by two separate but equally obsessed attorneys. This is their podcast. Hi, I'm Ceci. And I'm Angela. And this is the Bravo Docket. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. All right, welcome back. This is our second part of the Chrisley sentencing episode. And we just left off reading the government's arguments for the sentence recommendation that they provided to the judge, including some summary from trial testimony to support the sentence that they recommended. Now we're going to switch gears and read through Todd and Julie Chrisley's arguments in response or for their recommended sentence that they argue they should receive. So I'll hand it off to you, Angela. Real quick, thank you so much for being so patient with the terrible audio on my computer while I was traveling. That was so nice. I'm so sorry, guys. But I just couldn't put my expensive microphone and take it all the way to Mexico and then New York City and then schlub it back to Austin. (laughs) So thank you. I really appreciate that. All right. On to the episode. So Todd requested a level 29 with 97 to 108 months. And he gave essentially... Three reasons via his defense counsel for why he thought there should be a downward departure. And the first one they put in there, they cite the sentencing guidelines and state that a portion of the sentencing guidelines directs the court to consider when imposing a sentence the need to avoid unwarranted sentence disparities among defendants with similar records who have been found guilty of similar conduct. And yeah, that seems reasonable. They're specifically pointing out that their unindicted co-conspirator, Mark Braddock, has not and will not receive any punishment for his orchestration of the bank fraud conspiracy and substantive offenses. Now, if I were to haunt Chrisley's defense attorneys, I probably maybe wouldn't have written it that way, because as we've pointed out and as the government has pointed out, the Chrisleys are still blaming everyone else for their offenses. So I don't know how particularly helpful this one was. But it is true that Braddock was very much involved. He admitted it. And then he explained how Todd and Julie were involved. So that was point one. And then the second point they're making just summarized is that a lengthy sentence of incarceration would delay 
chances for the Chrisleys to continue to generate income and pay restitution. They're saying, let's do a downward departure from the sentencing guidelines so that Todd can get back out there and make money again. The third thing they bring up is this. And so they're saying sentencing leniency based on older age promotes the penal goals of imposing sufficient punishment and avoiding unwarranted sentencing disparities. Older prisoners, even if they are not suffering illness, can find the ordinary rigors of prison particularly difficult because of a general decline in physical and often mental functioning. Justification for considering age is that prison facility rules and routines were not created with older inmates in mind. As a result, ordinary incidents of prison life may challenge those who are only middle-aged in the community at large. These include climbing stairs to higher tier cell blocks, getting into a top bunk with a low ceiling, walking long distances for meals, standing in lengthy lines for meals or pills, sleeping on thin mattresses, <laughs> and enduring hot or cold temperatures. And then they're saying an older person has a shorter life expectancy. Ceci, do you want to continue on with these arguments? Yeah. So then they go on and they're basically trying to paint Todd Chrisley as if he's on death's door. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you highlighted this part because he certainly seems to have taken very good care of himself. I'm sure when he was out there having extramarital affairs, he wasn't saying that he was very old. <laughs> anyway, it says Todd Chrisley is 54 years old, which, by the way, is not considered elderly under many criminal statutes, as we've learned with Jen Shaw's over 55 thing that they keep putting in the indictment and all of her charges and whatnot. He's 54. He has suffered with fibromyalgia since 2012. He takes several prescription medications to treat various symptoms of the disease. In addition, he has been diagnosed with anxiety and is treated with prescribed medication. I mean... Everyone has anxiety. Pretty sure everyone in America has anxiety. <laughs> yeah. And we're not di diminishing that. No, attorneys, like I have it. Like I, I have it. it. Attorneys, especially, I, I think I've mentioned this before, but on the first day of law school, they gave us the Alcoholics Anonymous hotline, the suicide hotline, told us where the resources were for seeking mental health. And that's one of the things in your local legal community, a lot of times they really go out of their way to point out resources because our jobs are so stressful and we do have anxiety. So we're not diminishing anxiety here at all. But I'm diminishing this argument as completely ridiculous. And like I you need a lower prison sentence because you have anxiety? No, sorry. It doesn't work with me. And then it says Todd's father died of complications from liver disease and his younger brother Randy Chrisley is disabled due to crippling scoliosis and is currently battling throat cancer. Todd's mother... Now they're bringing in the mother who they got to lie on the stand. Elizabeth Faye Chrisley, age 77, is battling bladder cancer. It is therefore predictable based on family history that Todd will develop a life-shortening medical condition in the near future. That's kind of crazy. That's a that's a very lawyer argument. And I guess it's fair that you can have pre-existing conditions or conditions based on your family members that may get passed on to you. But... They're really reaching. In my well, opinion. and look, we don't want to disparage the attorneys at all. That's not what we're doing. You have to no. when you at anybody that's in law school right now or has that has just started practicing law, you have to take what you have and make something out of it. And it's like you're in the kitchen and sometimes you don't have all the ingredients you need. So you've got to substitute things or work with what you've got to try to like chopped. Yeah. 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 And so th these attorneys are doing the very best they can 
to make these arguments. And so we're not disparaging them. We're just pointing out that these are the arguments they had to make because there's not much else to work with. Right. Todd's medical condition, his age and his health needs, whether the Bureau of Prisons might be able to accommodate them or not, certainly support sentencing leniency as he is not within the, quote, heartland of offenders. His age and medical conditions would make imprisonment disproportionately harsh. And then their final argument for Todd is that many people rely on Todd Chrisley and will be severely and negatively impacted when he is sentenced. His mother is one such person. His concern for her is serious and real based on her age, infirmities, and health. I mean, Teresa had to go to jail and she had three young children and yeah. elderly parents. Yeah. So, yeah. You know. And to add to that, it's not that we're saying that these people don't need help. I'm sure his mother needs the care that she needs and it would be better if he was around to take care for her. It would be nice if she had another person taking care of her, but... He should have thought of that yeah, before he committed, he committed fraud <laughs> exactly. for a decade and a half. Right, right. And he got her to lie on the stand. Let's not forget. He put, His mother I mean, was now battling cancer. Yeah, the, he did things that could have put her at her age at risk of going to jail. So... Right. Oh, so now you care. Now that it might benefit you and get you a lower sentence, now you care. So likewise, the scores of people who are employed in the production and filming of the Chrisley television shows will be harmed when he is incarcerated. All of these considerations are appropriate when determining a reasonable sentence for Todd Chrisley. And I do want to say we get questions all the time about do reality TV people really want people that are committing crimes on the show? I think... It is good TV a lot of the time, or it's been fascinating TV, or however you want to define good. But this point is real. When you have a hit show and the network's making money off of it, everybody's jobs, everything else, are counting on these people to stay on a hit show. No, they don't want them to go to jail because this is a source of revenue for a lot of people. But I don't think the federal judge is going to be like, oh, yeah, I definitely want to keep you on TV. Yeah. You know? And that point that you just made is probably something that the production for Salt Lake City is considering now with Jen and probably why they did something with her contract, like we surmised in our BravoCon episode. But they're losing a pretty big personality on the show and a pretty big producer of storylines. So I don't, I don't think people are happy about it. No. But after going to BravoCon and seeing the BravoCon panel with the Salt Lake City women that are still on there, there's plenty of drama, oh, even without sure. Jen Shaw. I just yeah. had to point out. I no, know. and I agree. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I just wanted to reassure people from watching that BravoCon panel that there's, there oh, will, yeah. I don't think there, those will be. The show will be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so then they had people, Todd's friends, family members, people that he comes in contact with. I was sitting here thinking if I ever had to do one of these who I would ask to submit a letter on my behalf. There's some people I would not. <laughs> oh, that's an interesting question. Yeah. That so gives me think anxiety about thinking about it, though. I don't want to ever I know. be in that position. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. But just a little thought experiment. If you were facing, let's say, 20 years in prison for a federal crime, who would you call upon to write a letter about your character to possibly reduce your sentence? I have so much anxiety now. <laughs> <laughs> You, I would have Avery, I would have my dog, <laughs> bring him along with me and be like, look, he loves me. Warlock needs me at these <laughs> right. specific times. I am the one that knows his routine. 
Yeah. Do you want to share with people that you have items for his routine available? They want oh, to check it yeah. Out? I was going to say, so Ceci and I created Amazon lists. And yes, we do get a little percentage of it. For like the, 60 cents. 60 cents or something. <laughs> that goes into our Bravo Docket account. And we're also really excited at the end of the year to make our donation to the Innocence Project. We create a list of things that we actually really use and like and that we use in our everyday life. So Warlock and I have a list of all of his favorite items. I guarantee you I have the absolute best cat tree cat scratcher thing that actually looks nice in your house and that I've had for, I don't know, we've had it for three and a half years now and that thing is solid and they love it. I've been very open and honest, as Kyle would say, about my ADHD and I've got a list on there of the things that have helped me so much functioning with ADHD and I think those things will be really helpful to anybody else in that same situation. Ceci has some of the best hair of any person that's ever existed ever. <laughs> and it looks amazing curly. It looks amazing straight. All of her hair is real. Normally to get hair like that, you have to buy it. I know I have to buy it when I want thick hair like that. <laughs> so yeah. Ceci's got her hair recommendations on there. And we also yeah. have some work essentials because obviously we are both full-time working people and they're a little... Things that I like to use at work that make the day easier. And these are things I actually use and buy in our podcasting essentials. So if you're thinking of starting a podcast, we have the more affordable options for microphones that we used to use and then the microphones we currently use on there. So go check it out. We'll post a link in the episode description and you can shop our faves. Anyway, going back to the episode. So Todd had to get people to write letters for him. And he has many, many submitted. And I thought we would just read a few of them. Do you want to read the first one on here? Yes. Quote, Todd is passionate about his family and his faith. Over the years, I have witnessed Todd put others before himself, whether it was with a witty joke, a hug, or just words of encouragement. He is determined to bring light in any difficult situation. I have known Todd for almost 10 years while working on the show. Todd made it a point to redirect the makeup of the show when his biracial granddaughter Chloe was born. He made it more diverse so that Chloe could see women of color in management and power roles. Todd is a blessing to all who have had the opportunity to meet him. His welcoming, non-judgmental spirit makes being in his company even better. I don't know if I would categorize him as non-judgmental. Just, but I mean. I, maybe, for, maybe she means like non-judgmental with race and ethnicity and sexual orientation, but not necessarily non-judgmental as with snarky quips to his children. I don't know. I mean, the one point of credit I will give him from what I saw on the show was that when people would make comments about him possibly being gay or even when he was giving interviews, he was never disparaging. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and we all know about the right wing, and I'm putting in air quotes, Christians who are adamantly anti any type of sexual orientation that isn't purely heterosexual and that end up doing those things themselves. So I will give him credit for at least not being one of those people. Mm -hmm. Totally. That's the best I can do for him. <laughs> and and like people really like him. I don't know how to say this. The family has a lot of friends. I'm just wondering how much of it has been genuine given what we've read in the emails I don't know how nasty he's been to certain people. It's it's hard to see this as super genuine, but I'll read another letter. Someone that will blackmail their own daughter with a sex tape? Yeah. 
Mm-mm. Nope. Right. Mm-mm. Yeah. When, when I was reading on the the Chrisley's subreddit and someone was saying, well, they went into it not liking him. I kind of feel like we went into this whole legal drama pretty unbiased because we didn't watch the show in depth and we're only going off of legal pleadings. So, but like, does liking him make this any better or make the sentence and the guilty verdict that he received any less? I mean, it happened. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. The amount of fraud that was committed for so long. I really liked what the government pointed out, which was, please don't give them a white collar discount. Mm -hmm. We sentence people who are making money because that's the only option they have of doing illegal things because we've criminalized drugs and fought a war on drugs, which doesn't help anybody. And then you've got somebody that has the means and resources to do things legally and was, in fact, making money legally. Those people should not get a pass or a discount. I'm really happy the government made that argument in those pleadings. Right. Okay, so I'll read another one, and then I think we can move on to Julie. So the Chrisleys are as close to genuine families as possible. Their relationship is unlike anything I've ever experienced in my 16 years in this career as a television agent. In Hollywood, it is an unwritten rule to never blur the lines between business and personal relationships with clients. That is not the case with Todd and Julie. Simply put, the world is a better place because of the selflessness and love that Todd and Julie show to anyone that comes into their lives. That is the Todd and Julie Chrisley that I know. The version of Todd and Julie that was painted by the prosecution is totally unethical to the people that we know and love. So I will point out that both of these people that wrote letters, and there was a lot more letters, there was a ton, but have a lot to lose by them going to jail for an extended period of time because there's no chance of the show being renewed. I'm not saying what they're saying isn't their real feelings, but they also have something to lose and potentially an additional motivation to write these letters. Mm -hmm. How much weight do you think? I guess it's very specific based on the judge and the circumstance, but I mean, they, they are allowed to submit these. They're not under any scrutiny. They're not under oath. Some people signed them. Many didn't. I will say, especially in taking these people in this situation out, a federal criminal defense attorney can do a lot to ameliorate a sentence by painting an entire picture of a person that's outside of the crime they're being accused of. Knowing that you have developed and have a resource and a network of strong family relationships that you participate genuinely in your community, especially somebody that doesn't have a long criminal history and maybe they just made one mistake or got caught up in something that they realize now is wrong. And I think especially when a defendant recognizes very quickly, okay, this was wrong, I shouldn't have done it, and is genuinely remorseful for their actions, then these types of letters, I think, really can have some weight. And I really do believe the federal judges that I have seen, they take this very seriously. They read this stuff. They pay attention. Mm -hmm. So I do think it can go a long way. And that's part of the job of a, a criminal defense attorney going into a sentencing like this is to create an entire picture of a person that's outside just the crime. All right. So moving on to Julie Chrisley. So as Angela mentioned earlier, she re- requested that the court impose a non-custodial sentence that includes a combination of probation, restitution, and community service. So she didn't want to go to jail at all. No jail time. She says her, her counsel argues that the sentence is reasonable and reflects the seriousness of Miss Chrisley's offenses 
and meets the needs of the public while taking into consideration such mitigating factors as her extraordinary family obligations, her minimal role in the bank fraud conspiracy, and the absence of factors generally found in cases in which defendants have been sentenced to incarceration. They argue, like we mentioned in our prior episode on this, that her role in the scheme was limited and that she didn't get involved until after certain loans had already been obtained. And I want to flag that these came before the government's memorandum. So what we read in our last episode was in response to these. And we addressed that argument already, the fact that she's claiming she wasn't involved. So go back and listen to that if you don't remember the scope of her full involvement. She argues, or her counsel on her behalf argues, that she has extraordinary family obligations. She has three children with Todd Chrisley. They have Grayson Chrisley, who is 16 years old and in high school. They have full custody of their 10-year-old granddaughter, Chloe, whose father, Kyle, is Todd's son from a prior marriage. She's also, they argue, the primary caregiver for 79-year-old mother-in-law, Faye Chrisley, who's battling bladder cancer. So they've both argued that they are caretakers for Faye. It says Miss Chrisley takes Faye to her doctor appointments and treatments and takes care of Faye's delicate post-treatment needs. Losing Miss Chrisley would require Faye to hire an in-home nurse, which would be very stressful for Faye and possibly harmful to her recovery. They go on to address some of the letters that Julie received on her behalf. She also received several letters. They redacted how many. Interestingly, maybe one of them was confidential. They say... She's unfailingly selfless, devoted to her family and friends, highly respected by all who know her, and a strong and strong of character. It says her friends and family, and indeed the public in general, would be much better served if Miss Chrisley is given a non-custodial sentence. As one of Miss Chrisley's friends summed it up, quote, we need more role models in our communities like her, not less. On the issue of deterrence, do you want to explain what deterrence is? Yeah, like, I think we talked about it before. Anybody that's taken a criminal justice class knows there's multiple reasons for punishment, one of which is deterrence. You want to deter not just the defendant from committing the same crime, but also there's a principle of deterrence where if you see someone else being punished for something, then it's like, oh, I don't want to do that because I don't want to receive that same sentence. But here they're saying, she's got no prior criminal record. She's never done anything wrong before that she's actually been caught and charged for. This is, to me, not a very good argument because the fraud lasted for a decade and a half. So, Yeah. And they also say that she's already received enough punishment because the public, she's been publicly humiliated because this trial and the conviction were widely reported by the media across the country. And that should be enough. She's good. She's got it. She's not going to do it again. Again, the problem with this is they haven't accepted any responsibility for it, that you have a right to a trial in the United States. You have a right to a trial by jury. They did that. But they're in the face of the overwhelming evidence of their crimes. She says she is ashamed because everyone knows that she was found guilty of this. But I think it's very difficult for her to argue that she is personally ashamed. This is literally, I have a scarlet letter because I got caught <laughs> Yeah, that's, yeah. She's more upset that she has to face this in public than the fact that she committed the crime. She should be saying, I'm, I'm, I'm apologizing. I did this. I feel horrible. And said, she's like, I feel horrible because 
people now know. I think she could have. I mean, obviously, they want to file an appeal. They want to continue to maintain their innocence. They've had this sort of shtick the whole time. I think in the first episode on the first season of the show, Todd Christie's there's no right way to do a wrong thing or whatever. And talking about their their faith and Christianity and whatnot. And so they're still maintaining their innocence in all of this, even on their podcast episodes. Mm-hmm. So I think she maybe could have gotten a much lighter sentence if she had come back in this submission and said very eloquently through her defense attorneys, realizing now with the jury's conviction how guilty I am. And she could maybe make psychological arguments saying, because a white collar criminal, it's easy to tell yourself these things aren't wrong. I now know they're wrong. I now know what I did was wrong. And I will never do these things again. But that's not what she's saying. No, no. This is very much like, how dare you guys find me guilty or taking me away from my family? You, you, you. There's no personal responsibility in this memorandum. And then she goes on to argue, similar to what Todd argued, that it'll be better for her to be out of jail so she can make money on Chrisley Knows Best and their podcast, Chrisley Confessions, so they can pay their restitution. Bringing up their podcast, again, we're not blaming the attorneys here. As attorneys, you've got to work with what you got. You have to bake the cake out of the ingredients that you have. We're not slamming the attorneys. What we are saying is... And this is sometimes very, this is sometimes one of the most difficult things about being an attorney. I think, especially if you are a criminal defense attorney, is that your client is the one that gets to make the ultimate decision. Obviously, you're not going to put a client on the stand that you know is going to lie. But for example, if your client wants to testify on their own behalf and you advise them not to, but that's still their right to waive their Fifth Amendment right. And it's the Chrisley's right to continue to maintain their innocence in the face of a unanimous guilty conviction and file an appeal. You have to do what your client wants as long as it's not illegal and it's not illegal for them to appeal or unethical, as long as it's not illegal or unethical. I thought you were going to go a different way with that. I thought you were going to say it was weird to include the podcast because they're oh. maintaining their innocence on the podcast. Like, yes, why that's put what it I into the memorandum. <laughs> yeah, no, that's where I was going. And then yeah. I'll I, close the loop for you. I, so yeah. it is it is interesting to yeah mention this podcast, which the judge probably doesn't even know what the heck this podcast is that they even have a podcast. So it is kind of weird to put it in here, and now the judge can go listen to their latest episode <laughs> and be like, oh, okay. This is how you really feel about your guilty verdict. I probably would have left off the podcast. Yeah, that is where I was going initially, but then my brain went down a different track. (laughs) So then she also has, like I mentioned, letters submitted by community members and friends. I thought this one was kind of funny, so I included it. She has one from her plastic surgeon. Oh, again, another person that's going to lose income (laughs) if they go to jail. (laughs) A lot. Yeah. Yeah, it says, this letter is a letter of character for Julie Chrisley. I have known Julie as a patient and an acquaintance for about three to four years. I appeared on their television show twice. We initially met through her daughter, Savannah, who was a friend and patient. Just put them all on blast, doctor. (laughs) He does say, I cannot speak on the charges they are facing because I have purposely avoided reading anything about it for ethical reasons. Mm, Yeah. I don't know what, okay. What ethical reason? I don't know. You can't, can you not, like perform surgery on someone that you know is guilty of federal crimes? No! I know. <laughs> That's not a That's thing. That's what I'm saying. This is weird. Yeah, and it's all public knowledge. It's public record. I know. It's very weird. Okay, so what was their sentence? 
So Todd's sentence is 12 years in prison and three years of supervised release and restitution. Like we said before in the previous episode, the court has to state the reasons in writing for the sentence, the specific sentence that is being given. And the court did that. So both sentences were downward variances from what not only the PSR had calculated, but then what the government was asking for. Do you remember what the PSR months were? Yeah. Because I just, so he got 12 years, which is 144 months. So I just went in the opposite direction with the calculation. I'm just curious what the months were in the PSR. Yeah. So the PSR calculated Todd Chrisley's sentencing at 360 months to life imprisonment. Oh. Yeah. And, and he then got 144. The, yeah. And then the government's sentencing memorandum placed a total offense level at 37 with a custody guideline range of 210 to 262 months. Wow. Yeah. So you got like way less. Yeah. Hmm. What about Julie? Julie's sentence is seven years in prison, three years of supervised release, and restitution. Yeah. So seven years is 83 months, or we'll round up 84 months. So that's another downward departure. Yeah. So they did. I mean, they did get downward departures, but they still. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. We're doing 12 and 7 years. Mm-hmm. And then the accountant, Peter Tarantino, got three years in prison and three years of supervised release. So then the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Northern District of Georgia issued a press release after Todd and Julie received their sentence, basically summarizing everything and saying it was a successful chart. Which it was. Yeah. Yeah. So so over the course of a decade, the defendants defrauded banks out of tens of millions of dollars while evading payment of their federal income taxes. Their lengthy sentences reflect the magnitude of their criminal scheme and should serve as a warning to others tempted to exploit our nation's community banking systems for unlawful personal gain. They got, what is it, 7 and 12? Mm -hmm. And Elizabeth Holmes of Theranos fame I believe she got 11 years, and then I think Sunny Balwani got 12. So very similar. Very similar. <laughs> so the special agent is quoted as saying, as the sentencing proves, when you lie, cheat, and steal, justice is blind to your fame, fortune, and position. Really good quote. So you can restart with the question. Okay. Sean E. asked 
Although Julie and Todd were sentenced to 7 and 12 years, respectively, how much time will they actually serve? They will serve most of it. So there are new rules that were mandated by Congress in 2018 in a federal law called the First Step Act, and that allows inmates to earn 10 to 15 days of time credits shaved off their sentence for every 30 days of participation in certain programs or activities offered to them by the Federal Bureau of Prisons. By earning those credits, they can qualify to be released early into halfway houses or home confinement. In some cases, inmates can also earn up to 12 months of credit that would be applied toward supervised release. They will serve the majority of their sentence. This isn't like, oh, yeah, they were sentenced to seven years, but she's going to get out in three. That's not a thing in federal prison. But if there's programs that are available to you that you can participate in that qualify, you can maybe get out a couple months early, maybe almost a year early, but you're still going to do you're going to do most of it. All right. The next question from Sarah Kay, again, from her Patreon Does their sentence give us any hint as to how Jen Shaw may be sentenced? And this gives us a hint into the procedure, into how her sentencing will happen. First is Jen Shaw's memorandum. So first is her sentencing memorandum on what sentence she thinks she should get. We're going to get that first. Then the government will respond. Then there will be a hearing. Exactly like what happened here with Todd and Julie. The specifics are obviously different. Different charges here. Todd and Julie were convicted of conspiracy to commit bank fraud, bank fraud, wire fraud, and conspiracy to commit tax evasion. So that four separate <laughs> federal crimes, whereas Jen Shaw pled guilty only to one, which was conspiracy to commit wire fraud. Also, all the factors are going to be different. Like we just read through in our prior episode, and here, you know, they consider priors. There's going to be different reasons to go up or down based on the sentence. She's going to submit letters from her community as well. There's just so many factors that go into it. So we do get a sense of what might happen. We can't say based on this what Jen's going to get. It's just not a fair comparison. I think to answer Sarah Kay's question, these episodes give you an example of the procedure and how it will work. But I don't think these sentences, the actual sentence that was given is directly relatable to what Jen may or may not get. Also, Jen pled guilty. Yeah. Todd and Julie Chrisley went all the way through a trial and have still not said sorry. At least Jen, during her plea hearing, apologized. So Sue S., will they be going to a, quote, regular prison or a, quote, country club? So neither one of these people have any violent criminal history I wouldn't call any prisons country clubs. Teresa's book that I read about her time in prison will give you a very good outline of what prison will be like for Julie, if you're interested. What was um, Teresa's book called again? I think it was like Turning the Tables. Oh, okay. Cool. I have that. So another thing we have on our Amazon store are Housewives products and books. I created a whole list. Uh, So if you're curious and want to buy some, consider buying through our link. Yeah. Then Todd and Julie were interviewed about how they were feeling after their sentence. And it's it's pretty frustrating. Yeah. There was a source who spoke on their behalf and said that the pair are doing about as good as you can imagine. They also said that they're not pleased because they believe that the judge who oversaw their sentencing was, quote, making an example of them. 
But that's not them saying it. It was a source on their behalf. The source goes on to say they're really leaning into their faith to pull them through. That said, what happened to them was horrible, to be ripped apart in court the way they were. They feel they were targeted unfairly by the judge because he said to them multiple times, just because you're on TV doesn't mean you're going to get away with this. So they wanted to get away with it because they're on TV? I, The fact that, that they got downward unfairly? departures yeah. eviscerates that sentiment, argument, whatever it is. That's eviscerated. They got downward departures. They cannot say that the judge threw the book at them, especially when their PSRs were so much higher and then the government had lower recommended sentences in their memorandum than the total in the PSR. And then the judge gave them downward departures. How are they getting the book thrown at them? The judge also probably said, just because you're on TV doesn't mean you're getting away with it because they included arguments in both of their memorandums saying, oh, the poor producers are going to be out of work now because our TV show isn't going to be around or oh, we can't make money now because of our TV show. We can't be on it anymore. Right. So maybe the judge, maybe if this is true, this happened at the sentencing, maybe the judge was like, I don't care. I don't care if you're on a TV show and that you want to continue it. It doesn't mean you're going to not get any prison time. I can see that happening, and I think that's totally fair. Oh, I don't think we mentioned this before. The judge also ordered them to pay restitution for their finance-based offenses, and they are now subject to a fine of $17.2 million. According to reports, the stars could be forced to sell. There are two mansions in Tennessee, along with other valuables, in order to pay the tab. This is from People. It says it also seems incredibly likely that their flagship reality TV show, Chrissy Knows Best, is being canceled by USA Network. Well, Yeah, it's been canceled. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Another question we received from a patron named Lola. Lola asks, will the relatives that lied under oath get in trouble? So that's Nanny Faye and Lindsay. I don't see the government using additional resources to bring perjury charges or obstruction charges or anything against them. I, agree I with think that. yeah. I don't see that how ha- I don't see I don't see the government spending their time and money on that. Another question we received from from a patron named Jen. Jen asks, "How do appeals work? Will they appeal? Can you appeal this type of sentence so they have appealed?" And their attorney says that they are optimistic about the chances of success. The attorney's name is Alex Little, argues that the trial was, quote, marred by serious and repeated errors and that the government was, quote, lying to jurors about what taxes the couple paid. There's a source that also reiterated their plan to appeal, saying that they hope to do this to right the wrong. So they have appealed it. They've filed their notice of appeal. They've definitely started the procedural process yeah, to appeal. And you can't don't you can't just appeal just because you don't like the sentence or the guilty verdict. There has to be a legal mistake that was made that caused you harm. So, I don't know. I mean, we haven't reviewed the trial transcripts, so who knows? Maybe there was an evidentiary mishap. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you can bet uh, I'm as soon as I can get my hands on that transcript of reading it. I love reading jury trial transcripts. It helps me in my job as a attorney who does jury trials. There's always something you can learn, even if it's not in your area of law. And also, this one is just going to be really interesting. But there, I mean, one thing I'm going to point out is that the trial doesn't have to be perfect. There has to be really big error to overturn a criminal appeal because no, I mean, trials are all done by humans. Humans are not perfect. Mistakes will be made, but it has to be a like seriously prejudicial mistake 
in order to throw out an entire trial. For example, in the um, the famous the case that was made famous by the serial podcast in the first criminal trial, the judge called the defense attorney a liar and the jury could hear it and then granted a mistrial because one of the jurors asked a question, well, now that you've said the defense attorney is a liar, does that mean we're going to start over? That's a huge error. That's super prejudicial for the judge to comment that a defense attorney is a liar. That is, I mean, the judge herself granted a mistrial without that having to go to an appeal because that's such a big error. So that's something, that's an example of, okay, yeah, you're definitely getting a new trial. Here, there's got to be, I, I don't know what, I don't know what they're going to say. I don't know if they're going to say, okay, well, evidence came in that shouldn't have come in. And this was so prejudicial that this, you know, there's, but there's so much evidence. I don't, I don't yeah. see that being successful. All right. So the next questions we received were about the custody issues. So Irian This is from our patron, Patreon. Patron Iran asks, what is going to happen to Chloe? Who will have custody of her? Darius C. also asked, what do you think is going to happen to the adopted granddaughter? Can her mom regain custody? So Chloe is the the child of son Kyle Chrisley and his ex-wife Angela Johnson. Todd and Julie gained full custody of Chloe in 2016 after Kyle lost custody in 2016 due to drug addiction. And Angela was arrested, the mother, for filing a false application for Medicaid assistance. Julie and Todd officially adopted Chloe in 2017. As part of the adoption process, Angela, Chloe's biological mom, had to sign away her parental rights. The attorney who handled the adoption stated, quote, I handled the formal adoption of Chloe by Todd and Julie Chrisley. Angela Johnson's parental rights were terminated when she voluntarily surrendered her parental rights to Todd and Julie Chrisley. On March 24, 2017, she has had no contact with a minor child since 2015. Julie made it really clear on her daughter Savannah Chrisley's podcast that she and Todd consider themselves to be Chloe's parents. Julie said to Savannah, she's ours, she's our daughter, she's not our granddaughter, she's our daughter, which makes her your sister. Savannah is going to step up and take custody of Chloe and her 16-year-old brother, Grayson, while her parents serve their sentence. She said, quote, I'm trying to navigate how to teach two younger children who aren't fully developed yet and get them to understand the circumstances. That's a really, really difficult thing. Angela, the biological mother of Chloe, told told TMZ, quote, as of right now, I haven't filed any legal papers, but I am in the process of getting some legal papers filed so I can get back to court and get Chloe back home. And everything is at a standstill because we're trying to figure out where we would actually end up in court. I think it's... This is a complicated situation. Nothing has been filed yet, so it's hard for us to guess what the arguments are going to be. However, there is there are statutes that state that it is difficult to get a child back after you have voluntarily surrendered parental rights for the child. It's easier, or the statute states, that it can be done if the child has not been adopted. Um, and that's kind of the biggest requirement in order to reinstitute parental rights that were voluntarily surrendered. So I guess we'll see. But and like, I don't know how much it matters. And I didn't find this in the statute, whether the adoptee parents status 
like obviously Julie and Todd are going to be going to jail and they're the adopted adoptee parents. So I, I imagine that that gets factored into whether or not Angela can regain custody. However, they are going to consider the fact that she voluntarily signed away her rights, probably with full awareness of what she was doing. It was likely kind of contractual. It was binding. I mean, it's there are statutes that cover these sort of things. So it was a legal transition of parental rights. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what will happen. The rough part is that, and the unfortunate part, is that she's had no contact with the minor child since 2015. I have done, I've represented parents in child in need of care cases and that's something that's definitely factored in is does this child have any relationship like with a parent that's maybe been estranged from the other parent and in a potential option or situation. So, and who knows all the reasons for this? I mean, the Chrisleys have been found guilty of so many fraudulent and shady things that if there's something in the if there's some way in the adoption paperwork where they say, well, I was I was blackmailed or defrauded into releasing my parental rights for the child. we I don't know. This is pure speculation. I'm trying to come up with some way that maybe she could make an argument. But these are this is, again, pure speculation. I'm not saying any of this stuff happened. All I'm saying is that these people have been convicted of multiple counts of fraud and they have not the best history of doing paperwork or legal proceedings correctly. So maybe there's we'll find out more things, but I don't know. All right. That ends it. That is it for Todd and Julie Chrisley sentencing. I mean, dang. The next time we record, though, is going to be Jen Shaw. Oh, yeah, because we're supposed to get the sentencing memorandums. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This week. Oh, oh my. Okay, guys. Yeah, on Friday. So, yeah, we hope you enjoyed that. And Again, if you have any questions about any of the episodes or anything that's going on out there in the legal world, feel free to reach out to us on our Patreon. Um, Like us on Instagram. We share our thoughts on there. Our Docket Lawyers networking group on LinkedIn has been great. And we really appreciate the post and the networking that we're doing there. And then, yeah, just thank you guys. Thanks, legal team. This this is just been a wild ride with the Chrisleys. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. The Bravo Docket is part of the ACAST Creator Network. <laughs>